bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otterville. And now, today's word. But these three words, images and experiences by themselves do not rule our hearts. Just hearing a word or seeing an image or going through an experience does not mean that those things have entered your heart. Mostly they are in your mind, in your thoughts. You are considering them. For them to move from your thoughts into your heart, three things, four things must happen. First, reception. You must receive it. The signal is set and you receive it. The word is spoken, you accept it. You believe it. You see the image, you believe that is right. You see a commercial on TV, you believe it's true. You see a soap opera, you believe that is true love. You know, people are having marriages in their, in their problems in their marriages because of images they've seen. They are married to somebody, but the person is not the one in their heart. The one in their heart is a television hero. They haven't gone to say marriage vows to the person, but that is the person, the image, the concept they, they love. And so they marry reality, and reality is conflicting with fantasy. But fantasy is what is in their heart, because that's the image they have seen. They've received it, but it's not just receiving it. It has to go through a second level, repetition. Repetition. When you do something over and 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 over. You hear it over and over and over. You say it over. You yourself say it. It's affirmed to you. You affirm it to yourself. You've received it. You repeat it. Then it goes through the third level. Meditation. When it occupies your mind, you can't sleep without it. In your sleeping moments, that's what you're thinking about. In your waking moments, that's what you're thinking about. And then expression. So, why, for example, do you think advertisements play over and over. Why don't advertisers show one advertisement and say, they've seen it enough this week, it's okay, let's stop. But they run it, the same thing. Sometimes you even get bored. Ah, these people, the same advert, the same advert, the same advert. It's called repetition. You may think it's nothing, but they're trying to get into your heart for you to be devoted. When you hear somebody say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Even if you don't love the person and you receive that, you will love them. The boys know that. <laughs> and that's why they keep harassing the ladies because they believe if they repeat it often, your barrier will be broken. 
Keep your heart. Some of you people are repeating something. Offer. They offer. They repeat it. Take it. It doesn't matter. Let's do it. It doesn't matter. You, know, you wouldn't die. This is okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And then you start meditating on it. Without repetition, your mind is saturated. Every time you think you, that's what you're thinking about, you are in danger because something is entering your heart. The gate of your heart has been opened. And something is about to enter in. And what enters in is going to control the rest of your life. So the Bible says, keep your heart. Everybody say, keep your heart. Say, I'll keep my heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. You are where you are today because of what you have en- allowed to enter your heart. Words you heard about yourself. And it was repeated over and over and over and over. Entered your thought. You meditated on it. You're expressing it. And then you come and say, I don't even know why I do this. I don't even know. I've tried to stop. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. You can't stop it because it's not mental. It's spiritual now. It's entered your heart. And I'm going to show you from the scripture a process. Somebody is is going to say, so if this is the door, doesn't mean we can't shut the door. There are three things you use to control what goes into your heart or not. It's called reason, will, and choice. I'm not going to say much about that. I'm going to deal with that later, cry later. Reason, will, choice submitted to the word of God. That's what regulates the gate. What comes in and what goes out. Now, how many of us know about a, a gentleman in the Bible called Judas? How many of you have heard about that man, Judas, the disciple of Jesus? You've heard about him? Some of you are not sure whether you've heard about him. Have, how many of you have heard about Judas? Okay. Is he a good guy or a bad guy? He's a bad guy. He betrayed Jesus. Now, how can you betray Jesus, the son of God, king of kings, lord of lords, your master? Everywhere he goes, he's doing good. You've lived with him for three and a half years. You love him. You've sworn allegiance to him. How can you betray him? What happened? I'm going to show you a process of how things enter the heart and defile a man. Are you ready? Okay. Now, six days before the Passover, Jesus was in the house of Lazarus. You know, Lazarus, the one who was raised from the dead. And a woman came and poured precious ointment at the feet of Jesus. The precious ointment cost a lot of money. And this resulted in some misgivings from some of the disciples of Jesus, including Judas. And let's look at how Judas played this whole thing out. In this process, I'm going to look at four processes that led to Judas doing what he did. The first is that he was rebuked by Jesus. He was rebuked by Jesus. 
John chapter 12, verse 4 to 8 says, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who will betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? I want you to follow Judas's reasoning well. The woman pours the ointment. Judas says, this thing's too expensive. Why wasn't it sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? That seems to be a good suggestion, isn't it? Because he has seen Jesus taking care of poor people. He knows Jesus is committed to poor people. And he feels this woman is wasting money. So you would say he has probably a good motive. Although when you read later, uh, it wasn't so. Verse 6. This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. So... Although it seemed to be a genuine suggestion, the motive was wrong. You know, how many times do we say something and the reason we said it is very different from how people hear it? It happens to all of us. Verse 7, this is where trouble came. Trouble is not that he was a thief. He was a thief is a fact. His suggesting was also right. But verse 7, something happened. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Jesus publicly rebuked Judas. So you can almost imagine that this is Jesus with his staff. This is his minister of finance, Judas, or accountant, treasurer. They are in a public place. People are listening. Everybody respects Jesus' opinion. Judas makes a suggesting and Jesus shuts him down. He's rebuked. Shut up. Leave the person alone. Leave the woman alone. That phrase literally means shut up. Keep quiet. Leave her alone. Now, what happens when people rebuke you publicly? Have you ever been rebuked? Your boss calls you to his office and shuts you up. Or somebody you love, you contribute an idea and say, keep quiet. So Judas was rebuked. He didn't take it easy. Remember, this is six days before Passover. Six days before Jesus is supposed to die. The day before, he had not planned to betray Jesus. But this day, he's rebuked. Now, Judas is not the only person Jesus has rebuked. If you know, the one who received more rebukes was Peter. He's been rebuked all the time. He was even told, get behind me, Satan. But Peter was one of those people, you rebuke them, they don't take offense. They move on. They learn their lesson and they move on. Get behind me, Satan. He says, Get, thank you, Lord. Cast out the devil from me. I just want to worship you. And he moves on. But there are some people who can't stand being corrected, being rebuked, being told what you did is wrong. Keep quiet. They always want praise, 
affirmation, support, and encouragement. If you don't give them that, something will happen. So Judas is rebuked. My feeling is he received the rebuke. He took it personally. He says, this man hates me. I've served him all this life. Three and a half years. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. You have no place to live. And we too have no place. We've suffered. And today, look at what you're telling me. It's almost like a foot soldier. (laughs) Judas took it personally. So look at the next thing that happens. John chapter 13, verse 2 to 5. The sequence. He receives a satanic idea. He is rebuked. It hurts him. The door is open. Satan throws in an idea. The Bible says, and supper being ended, the devil having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things, and his hands, the Bible says he washed the feet of the disciples later on. But note the phrase, the devil having already, that is before the supper, the devil had thrown an idea, betray him. But at this time, he has not betrayed Jesus. It's just an idea he's entertaining. How did the idea have fertile ground? Because he was rebuked. You know, sometimes you read in the news, a man has killed his wife. He said, is he crazy? He's not crazy. If you don't keep your heart with all diligence, you will do crazy things yourself. You're going to kill people. You're going to destroy people because they rebuked you. Or they ignored you. Or they didn't give you the praise you thought was yours. And you repeat it to yourself. Look at what he's treated. Ah, look at that. And and in all your waking moments, you meditated. Why did he do that? Why why did he do it publicly? Ah, this man. ah, I've regretted following him. Why, why? And it's all your mind is feeding on that. Then Satan throws in an idea. Go and steal his files and burn it. Or take that money, put it in his wardrobe and tell everybody he stole it. Or go and get that poison and put it in his food. It's so easy. It's so easy. Because if you don't guard your heart, things will enter your heart you never thought you could do. Remember, Seven days before, Judas, I'm sure, never thought he would betray Jesus. But six day, on the sixth day, he's rebuked. A chain starts. A process starts. Satan now has an idea, a suggesting in his mind. Look at the next step. Next step is John chapter 13, verse 26 to 27. It says, Jesus answered. Now, everybody, Jesus says, somebody's going to betray me. 
And everybody is asking, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? So, Jesus is answering. He says, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simeon. It's always interesting that his full name is mentioned every time. Judas Iscariot, the son of Simeon. No other one. Judas Iscariot, the son of Simeon. Simon. Verse 27, it says, Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. And Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. Note the phrase, Satan entered him. He is rebuked. He receives an idea for Satan, but Satan has not entered him. It's just an idea. Betray the guy. Kill him. Eliminate him. He's abused you. He's insulted you in public. He's rebuked you. Finish him off. That's an idea. And he's thinking about the idea. Then Jesus says, at this time, he's thinking. Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. Now, at the time he's thinking, I'm going to betray this guy, Jesus picks it up. One of you is going to betray me. Now, it's enough for you to say, hmm, the guy has found it. But he doesn't stop there. So everybody's asking, is it I, is it I, is it I? Jesus says, well, it's the one to whom I'm going to dip this bread and give the bread to. So he dips the bread and gives it to Judas. At that time, he could have said, no, Lord. Because Jesus says, the one who will betray me is the one who will receive this bread. He could have said, no, Lord. But he took it. You see? And he ate it. And at that time, the Bible says, Satan entered him. It's a process. Now, the Bible, it's not the bread that brought Satan. Remember, Jesus said, it's not what you eat that defiles you. It's what you allow into your heart. So the moment he took the bread, he had made a decision. He had resolved, I'm going to do it. And Jesus said, sensing what he was thinking, says, what you want to do, do it quickly. At this point, when people get to this point, they can't be stopped. Even if you stop them today, they'll find another way to do it. Look at the fourth level. He, the Bible says, verse 13, verse, chapter 13, verse 30. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately. And it was night. I like how the Bible put it, and it was night. It's, it, it's poetic. Darkness descended on him. Not that it was just night because the, the, the day was, or, or the, the hour was night, but his soul had blackened. It's dark. There's no light. There's no chance. He's not redeemable. That's the last resolve. Resolve. Intention. Keep your heart, the scripture says, with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. 
Something wants to enter your heart. How is it going to come? There's going to be an experience. For Judas, it was a rebuke. He went through pain. Sometimes it can be a disappointment. That is the experience. And then you begin to think about it. And it goes into your mind. You repeat it. Satan then tells you, you are worth nothing. Nobody loves you. Take your life. How did it start? A man left you. It's not the man leaving you or the woman leaving you or you losing your job. That's an experience. It's this idea Satan will suggest to you. And if you don't shut the door, you will do something you never thought possible. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. What have you allowed into your heart? Some of you are still on the borderline because you've received something, something somebody said to you and murderous thoughts are going through your mind. Evil thoughts, treacherous plans, schemes, bloody ideas are going through your mind and you are repeating it in your mind. You are meditating it in your mind. The door is open. The man who killed his wife, kills his children, kills himself. You think he's crazy. He's not crazy. It's this process. It's this process. People who betray their friends. People who do all those things we read about and say, Ah, how can a human being do that? They were human beings. Judas was a nice disciple seven days before until the rebuke. You know that Judas later regretted what he had done. And that's one thing about when you open the door of your heart, something comes in. When you come back to yourself, you say, ah, why did I do that? Because at a certain point, you are no longer in charge of yourself. Ah, why did that girl take all my money? Was I crazy? It, something entered your heart. Why did I steal? Ah! There's always regret after that. Because there's a point where you are no longer yourself. Somebody is taking over your life. It's not the food you eat. It's the words, the images, the experiences. And that process Judas went through is repeated in human life throughout. There are two kinds of people described in the Bible who treat their hearts and spirits differently and end up differently. And I'm closing with this. Two kinds of people. You can be one of them. You can be both. You are one of them. And today you have to choose which one you are or which one you want to be. The first group are those who have no rule over their spirits. They don't keep their hearts with all diligence. They don't have rule over their spirits. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 28 describes them. It says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. These are people who are passive. They leave their hearts, 
their spirits undefended. Any idea convinces them. They believe anything they hear. Every gossip is truth for them. They don't use reason. They don't use their will. They don't use their choice. They are passive. Every experience controls them. They have not exercised their senses to discern between good and evil. Because Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 says, Solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Proverbs 29 11 says, A fool vents out all his feelings. People who say, as for me, I just blow my feelings as it is. Quote Proverbs 29, 11 to them. They have no rule over their spirits. The Bible says they are like a city whose walls are broken. They are weak, they are unprotected, and they are open to attack from the enemy. Weak, vulnerable, Open to attack. If you don't guard your spirit, you are weak. You are unprotected. You are vulnerable. Anything can hit you. You can do foolish things and silly things and regret it 10 years later, but you will do it now. You can leave your wife and your children and go and live with a woman somewhere and spend all your money. And your children are begging for food and they don't have any clothes on and they're not getting through school well and this woman is taking all your money. Everybody knows you are foolish except you yourself. What has happened? Your heart has been captured. You saw somebody, you thought, I have to get that. I have to get woman. I have to get that woman. Hey, I have to get If I don't get it, hey, I have to get that. And maybe it started because your wife was angry with you. Or your wife refused you something you thought you deserved. <laughs> I have to speak in Proverbs. <laughs> or you didn't like her food. Or has her mother uh, did something or something happened. And then, like Judas, the process starts. And then an idea comes in. Look at that woman. She's even better. Then you feed on it. It enters your heart. You become stupid. You're spending all your money. And you think, you, you think you're right. You have even an argument for it. And then 15, 20, 30 years later, you say, ah, what a stupid thing I did. Tell the person next to you, watch your heart. Somebody wants to take your heart. Tell them, somebody wants to take your heart. The second group of people are those who have rule over their spirits. Those who have rule over their spirits. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 32 describes them. It says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. The one who is able to rule his spirit is greater than a person, a champion who takes over a city. 
Those who rule their spirits are those who don't make hasty decisions. They have learned to move beyond emotion, hurt, and pain. They use reason and the word of God to wrestle, to wrestle, to fight with what they see, what they hear, what they experience. They are subject to the scriptures and the Holy Spirit's leading. In the end, they are strong, they are in charge, and they are victorious. Which of these are you? Or which of these do you want to be? Do you want to be one of those who rule, have rule over their spirits? Or those who have no rule over their spirits? Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Life is flowing from your heart. Make sure that life is not death, is not murder, but it's goodness, it's, it's kind, it's love. This morning, before I close, I want to give you a rare opportunity to use your heart right. The only person you can open your heart to without reservation is Jesus. When you open your heart to him, through the same process that Satan entered the heart of Judas, Jesus can also enter your heart. You go through an experience, you hear a word, you believe the word, you open your heart to the word, it controls you. This morning, Jesus wants to enter your heart. He wants to save you. He wants to wash away your sins. He wants to make you a new person. He died on the cross of Calvary. And this morning you can come to that cross of Calvary and have salvation for your soul. Have forgiveness of sins and have a new life. Let's bow our heads. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebil, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebil. Email otebil at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.